Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, buzzard. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. I did that really weird this time. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to start my timer while also looking up what the wine is this week. And there we go. Okay, I got it. <laughs> everything is done. I've got everything. It's I fine. introduced it's myself fine. saying Buzz Killers all while simultaneously doing multiple other things. Uh, we could have waited. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I didn't know you were doing that. Multitasking is a magical thing. Multitasking. Okay. We're on episode 41. 40 fucking. We didn't talk about that last episode was episode 40. Sorry. Yeah, it was. (laughs) We forgot. (laughs) We kind of did. I remembered afterwards when I was putting it up. And then I try and I also have to try and remind myself that we've done. There's 40 episodes technically, but we've done two parters and then we also done minis. So we're definitely over 50. Definitely over 50. Which is freaking insane to think about. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Really? And I know it's always weird because Podbean will give us like what are those milestone things. Have you seen them? Yes. And it took it forever. We got to 5,000 downloads like a while ago and it took it like two weeks to, to notice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we were at 5,000 a while <laughs> ago, <laughs> Podbean. You asked me, you were like, we didn't get a badge for this. Did you notice we didn't get a badge for this? And I was like, I honestly don't really know what you're talking about right now. I was so annoyed. <laughs> and then I went and had to go look up the, what you were talking about. We get badges. <laughs> <laughs> that we can that we can post if we want, but I'll just make our own. I like to make our own. Stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it myself. It fits our theme. <laughs> it, <laughs> DIY. <laughs> our DIY theme. Okay, do we have any other business? I don't think so. Patreon. Are y'all on Patreon yet? <laughs> That's They're our like, business. Shut up about that. That's our business. Are you, if you're, are you on Patreon? Because if you're not on Patreon, patreon.com slash buzzkillerspodcast. Yay! Go check it out. Lots of exclusive content and stuff. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Free stickers and stuff. And cards from us that we're going to write to you. If I say the word stuff one more time, please hit me. Stuff. <laughs> it's stuff like three times. <laughs> okay. ah. I keep wanting to try this wine. I, I've seen you bring it to your mouth multiple times now. And then I put it back down. <laughs> Macy and I have decided that we need to stop drinking the wine before the podcast starts. Yeah, we're going to wait. It defeats the point of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) yes so we are we're gonna start saving our first sip specifically for the mouth feels (laughs) mouth feels i just gestured to my wine glass like i'm freaking vanna white (laughs) and then i had my mouth feels feels. i'm gonna add a sound bite that when we do all the mouth feels it'll go mouth feels yes (laughs) Yes. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but there are a lot of videos on the internet. To be honest, you could probably just sing it yourself. And then just edit it? Yes. To be that weird sound? Make Tyler do it. Okay. <laughs> He's going to be like, what the hell am I doing right now? He's, He's going like, to like, shut up and do it, okay? Sing it operatically. I'll, that's what it'll be. I'll have like a bunch of organ underneath. It'll be like... <laughs> It'll be him singing operatically. Oh, I 100% okay this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is you guys get little snippets about what our business conversations are like during the week. <laughs> Sometimes the brainstorming just happens on air. It just happens. All right. Sorry. Wine. What are we drinking? <sighs> so this week, guys, 
we are back to our freaking favorites. Our faves. It is a freak show wine. Yay! So Michael, Michael David Winery! Michael David Winery. We are drinking the Zinfandel. So it is a red. And now their tasting notes. This is straight from their website. Okay. Step right up to experience the excitement, elegance, and allure that is the dazzling fire mistress. Adding a softer, sexier side to Michael David's band of freaks, this medium-bodied Zinfandel spotlights blazing huckleberry and oak aromas while flirting with notes of anise. Anise? Anise. 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 My sister's cringing somewhere. Anise? A-N-I-S-E. I think it's anise. Like star anise. That that wine word that's spelled that way. (laughs) (laughs) Flavors of strawberry, pomegranate, and clove amaze the tongue with a spice-laced and tantalizing finish. Ooh. They're going to amaze my tongue. Let's try it. The mouthfeels will be great. (laughs) (laughs) Mouthfeels. I like it. Ooh, I like that. That's not nearly as dry as I thought it was going to be. No. And I said, I was like, oh my God, I'm talking and this is going to give me dry mouth. Oh no. (laughs) Macy and I have this horrible fear of red wines and dry mouths. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard, especially when you're the one talking. It it really is though. Because like you want to keep drinking your wine, but at the same time you're like. I'm eating cotton balls while trying to read 10 pages of notes. (laughs) And then you just have to drink your water and then. (laughs) It's just not, you're at the end, you're just like, what? No, I really like this. And I do get like the berry yeah. notes. And then like, it said like cloves, like cloves and, and like anise and, and star anise and stuff like that remind me of like fall spices, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like cloves are usually in pumpkin pie and in, and, yeah. um, and apple pie and, and stuff like that. So it kind of, it gives it like. I get that spice too that it talks about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I like it. I like that a lot. Well, let's give it a let's give it a rating. One out of five mouthfeels. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Four out of five, respectable, respectable. <coughs> um, I think I'll give it a four out of five too. Mm-hmm. So, total of eight, eight out, out of, of ten. Eight, eight, I just said eight out of five. Eight out of five. Guys, <laughs> guess who hardly passed math in school? <laughs> me. me. It me. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a long, long day. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't normally record at this time. No, I've been through eight hours of work today, <laughs> and it's been a time. I had to And I've been today. awake since 7 a.m. So. But you did say to me before we started that your goal is to get drunk. Yes. <laughs> and it, by the end of this evening, not necessarily the end of this recording. <laughs> so let me just let me, let me just preface this with, guys, I got a new job. Woohoo! Um, obviously, I'm not going to say where. Don't stalk me, people. You creepers. <laughs> I don't know those creepy creepers out there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got a new job. And the place I work now is currently horrific. And my boss is actually mad that I'm leaving. So I've been going through a little bit of hell. Yeah. And today was just really bad. It's been, it's been a time. <laughs> and I showed up at Macy's front door and was like, please, alcohol. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> please give me a can of alcohol. I'm glad Macy likes me because I showed up and spent about 20 minutes just ranting. <laughs> and she nicely sat there and listened to me. 
<laughs> I mean, you've done that to me plenty of times. So I'm, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So alcohol makes it a little bit easier. Th- well, this is 15.5% alcohol. So cheers. Let's do a clink. Let's do a spooky clink. 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 <laughs> what, what's, what's, a, what's a spooky clink? Clink. <laughs> Clink. <laughs> it did not just snort. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, You're on the air. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. Macy, what are we talking about today? So I don't know if you guys all remember episode 39. Lisa out. I said I went down a rabbit hole with another case that is in connection with that case. Guys, we are talking about the unsolved case of the Honolulu Strangler. I'm excited. It all connects. I have not heard this. Um, It is the first and only serial murder case in Hawaii's history. Good job for Hawaii. And it is unsolved <laughs> to this day, unfortunately. So, I mean, kind yeah. of a good job. <laughs> so, mm, you're, you're almost there. You only had one serial killer, but you... You couldn't find him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about all of that. Um, oh, no. Okay. Is, uh, Am I about to get as mad as Heidi Allen? No. Well, no. Okay. No. All right. Um, because there's some stuff that goes on where they just did the best. The investigators did the best that they could. And things couldn't be go- couldn't go any further because of things that were not their fault. Okay. So I'll just preface it with that it's not <laughs> completely um, terribly mishandled. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, it's just there's <laughs> not it, there's not a lot of evidence like to this day there's not a lot of evidence and HPD HPD Honolulu Police Department has put out very little cuz technically this case is still open. Wow. It's never, nobody's been tried, convicted, So there are still nothing. some details that they're holding. Yeah, and I'm telling you, it was hard to find shit on this. Ooh. But once you found it, it was like, boom. Rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> rabbit hole. So um, I actually, guys, this is how much dedication I have to this podcast. Ordered a book from, from Amazon for $20 that only had one chapter. <laughs> about this case specifically is the rest of the book at least going to be useful to you at some point it was it was it was about like Honolulu's like history and like oh, cool. some like other things that go on there but it also talked about the Lisa Al case nothing that I didn't already know okay. but I had also read part of it online so it's just all about it's basically all about Hawaii yeah it's called Honolulu Homicide Ooh, fancy. and it's um, <laughs> written by an older gentleman who was a police a police oh, officer cool. like kind of around the time of this stuff and he actually talks on like this okay i watched this documentary it's not really a documentary i guess it is it's an id tv the investigation discovery yeah. thing it's called breaking homicide so like the first or second season i think um it was so kitschy i hated it oh, i no. hated every minute of it oh no <laughs> i had a really hard time watching it because it was like Oh, there was some information in there that I didn't already know. So that was interesting. And they talked to, like, an FBI agent. They talked to a prosecutor at the time. They talked to, like, all these really cool... So th- those people were interesting. Mm-hmm. But the two, like, hosts were, like, this kind of... 
shy uh, forensic psychologist and like this really tough guy acting FBI. No, well, he's not FBI. He's like former police detective and he's just like really in your face. <laughs> I like couldn't stand him. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. It was like Zach Bagans, but like police oh. form. It was terrible. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like it's such a bad combination. He was, he was like, let's go. Let's look at all of this on the screen. And then he's like PowerPointing through like the case and like yelling at like old police detectives. He's like, why wasn't this solved back then? I like was just like, oh, my God. I got a ton of great information from it. But that guy, <laughs> I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Um, so I will probably never, ever watch that show Again, but the guy who <laughs> wrote who wrote Honolulu Homicide like went on and talked to the, these guys and like okay so like he's pretty knowledgeable about the case although there were some discrepancies between like like big discrepancies really yeah that I found I'm gonna mention them when we talk about this because like I just don't I just don't know some sources said this and I found multiple sources that said this mm-hmm. and I also found multiple sources that said this other thing so I was like I. <laughs> yeah. This this happened. Something happened. <laughs> it's your choice what you want to believe. So, um guys, without further ado, Honolulu Strangler. This fucked me up. It's fucked. It's really fucked. Um <laughs> so right. they they also like also known as um the Honolulu rapist. Oh, um, okay. So this all happens on the island of Oahu um, from May 1985 to April 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, and in total, five women were murdered. All residents of Hawaii, um, but they all have very limited ties, interestingly. Okay. Um, so, the very first victim, because we don't know anything about this dude. Uh, I'm just going to jump right on in there. <laughs> uh, first victim, her name was Vicki Gail Purdy. She was 25 years old at the time mm-hmm. of her murder. Um, she was described by friends and family as fierce, tough, feisty. She didn't take any grief from anybody. Um, Good for her. And she lived in, oh my gosh, Mililani. I think that's how you say it. Mililani. Sounds about right. Okay. She was um, blonde and pretty. Um, and she worked at the, oh, my God, I'm going to be terrible with these names. I'm so sorry. Wahiwa, Wahiwa video rental store. So, and just for, like, a little bit of context, a lot of these women, um, obviously, because this is a serial case, um, mm-hmm. had very similar features. Okay. So I'm going to bring up heights and weights, and we can kind of discuss at the end okay. about that. Um, she was 5'5". Five, five, Mm-hmm. And about um, 135 pounds, pretty, you know, average, yeah, average height, height and weight, height but weight not overly girl. tall. Yeah, you know, um, she had been a cheerleader in high school. She was outgoing. She liked to live her life on the go. Um, she was married to a man named Gary Purdy, mm. and they had met in Marietta, Georgia. Um, he, at the time of all of this, was an army helicopter pilot. And big thing, guys. Hawaii is a huge military hub. Yeah. Huge. And yeah. that becomes like kind of a big thing later on. Um, Vicky had been previously married at 16. 
I'm sorry. I had wine in my mouth. I couldn't express my what. <laughs> she had been married at 16 years at old 16. to Gary's cousin. Oh. Yeah. And um, when that relationship fell apart, <laughs> she became involved with Gary. <laughs> they must have had excellent family parties. <laughs> that guy would be like, mm, salty about that. Um. <laughs> She was originally from um, North Carolina. That was where her family was from. Mm-hmm. Her parents had divorced when she was pretty young, and she had actually lived in foster care for a little bit. Um, but when all of this goes on, Gary and Vicky had been married for about five years, and they moved to Hawaii. And they were living in Hawaii for 16 months before she was murdered so just a little over a year before she was murdered um and because she was just like so feisty and like loved living life and whatever it wasn't unusual for her to go out with her friends or do things at night without her husband yeah it was pretty normal for her to go out with her friends and just you know she's kind of independent yeah she would check in and like you know but it wasn't you know oh she was mad at me she left or anything it was she had pl- like she always yeah, would go out with friends and stuff like had that. Had a big social life. Yeah, then. she had a pretty good social life. No kids. No, okay. no kids. Um, so all of this starts on May 29th of 1985. Uh, Vicky goes out with her friends to a club in Waikiki. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gary told investigators that he kissed her goodbye before she left and expected her to be home around nine o'clock, approximately. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Around 10 o'clock, when she had not come home, he began paging her repeatedly because he did not know where she was. And normally, if she was going to be later, she would check in. Yeah. Um, the following day, he went out searching for her and found um, her car in the Shorebird Hotel parking garage. And it was newly dented. Had not Ooh. been dented prior to this. Um, he said that he had never seen that before. In like what way? Like it didn't dent little. No, it, it didn't, didn't say. say really. Okay, but it kind of made me think about maybe how she was abducted. Like somebody hit her maybe car. Somebody hit her car and got her. You know, you got know, her got her. Out. Like was exchanging they, insurance or something like that, and then yeah, you know. And okay. if it's and it, it will. And my thought is too. It, I asked like you know how big is it? It must have been at least decent for him to be like that's was never there before. right exactly it, it was probably a pretty big dent yeah um so her friends you know the police get in contact with them they're like have you talked to vicky and they said um that she called them around 10 p.m from a pay phone i guess because there mm-hmm. were no cell phones um but she did not come to meet them and a cab driver told police that he drove vicky back to the shorebird at 12 a.m at 12 a.m. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, this whole timeline of events where, like, they don't know where she was. And it was weird. But this is when she's she's missing. Her friends don't know where she is. Her husband doesn't know where she is. And all they have for evidence is her car in this parking garage. Hmm. Um, And the next day, on May 30th, her body is found on the embankment of the Kehi Lagoon. She was partially nude. Mm. Um, she didn't have underwear on. Uh, her hands were bound behind her back with parachute cord. Um, and here's something that one of those discrepancies I'm talking about, guys. The book, the Honolulu Homicide book, said that they were bound with stripping tape. 
which is like um, like packing tape kind of. And then the documentary who talked to one of like the investigators at the time said parachute cord. So like those, those are two different. very vi- diff- very different things. Yes. I'm going to go with the parachute cord just cuz I saw this dude like say it and I like he was and a former police officer at the time yeah. but the book said something different. Um just they say and it's not like it wasn't like they there. said packing tape or packing tape or duct tape. It was like that's a difference between cord and tape. I know, very that's weird. I'm going to go with just I'm going to go with the parachute cord. I say I'd believe the cop. But I want to <laughs> I mean I mean the other guy was a cop too, but I'm not sure if he directly worked on the case or like just like kind of had seen the files or like hmm. you know Gary Diaz was a police officer at the time and okay. I and I know that he has extensive knowledge, but I just don't I, I don't know. Louis yeah. Souza was the head of, and this is like, we're going to talk about him a little later. He's the head of the task force for yeah. the Honolulu Strangler. And he came on the documentary and he said parachute cord. So okay. that's what I'm going to believe. All right. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I got gotcha. going on there. <laughs> um, so her hands had been, had been bound behind her back. And that's like key big thing um, with this parachute cord. Um, there was evidence of sexual intercourse. Um, but the water had washed away a lot of the evidence. Um, but that's how they were kind of able to determine, like, the sexual motive was that there had been, like, sexual intercourse at the time. And then there was the bondage. And then she was only partially clothed. Yeah. So, like, they were like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. we can deduce that this is sexual in nature. Um, and it was kind of obvious to investigators that she didn't die, like, immediately or instantly because she had some minor defensive wounds mm-hmm. um and they did a rape kit i mean i'm not really sure what you call a kit when somebody is deceased um but i knew i know an active I think it's case still, i think it's still, still a rape, rape kit. kit okay yeah they did do a rape kit at mm-hmm. the time and um they did find some sperm oh okay but not very many like oh. very few um, and they didn't really have DNA at this time. So it's not like they would have had anything to really compare mm. it to. Um, her murder until that point or until this point is unsolved. Aww. We don't know who did anything. That's what happened. Ugh. Six months later, Regina Sakamoto goes missing. She was a senior at Lelahua High School, and she was planning on attending the University of Hawaii in the fall. She had dark blonde hair, was pretty, mm-hmm. um, was about four foot eleven. Again, kind of short-ish. Yeah. Um, around one hundred and five pounds. She was described as kind, careful, shy, but friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been a, born in Kansas, was not from Hawaii originally. Okay. Um, Regina's mother, who is also named Regina, <laughs> um, had met Maurice Sakamoto, who is not Regina's biological father, um, in California at a military base. Okay. And um, Regina's mother, Regina's mother, Regina, <laughs> um, and Maurice got married, and he adopted Regina. Oh. Okay. And he raised her for 10 years. Oh. Um, and when she was 15, Maurice and her mother divorced. Oh, jeez. Um, after their divorce, Regina's mother moved them to, like, a kind of seedy area because she didn't have, like, a ton of money. And he was always, like, her father was kind of, like, annoyed about this because he was, like, 
why are you like let the kids live with me because like I don't want them living in a scary place like that yeah and it just didn't happen um but because Regina was still enrolled in school where her parents had originally lived she was commuting from Waipahu to Wahiawa every day I did that really well. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you didn't stutter. I know. I was so happy. <laughs> um, and she would do this commute every day. I looked this up on Google Maps. It's about an hour long bus ride every day. Oh, my gosh. To and from school. Oof. Um, on January 14th, 1986, uh, Regina calls her boyfriend around 7.15 in the morning from a pay phone. Um, she had missed the bus. And she was going to be late to school. That's what she told him. Okay. And then she never showed up. Uh, and it's possible that she was abducted from the bus stop itself. Yeah. Um, her body was found in Kehi Lagoon near the reef runway at the airport um, on January 15th, which was the next day. But here's a discrepancy. I've seen that it was found the next day. And then I've seen that it was found a month later. Oh, that's a big difference. I know. There's yeah, a lot of things. Are like big discrepancies. I, I know. And I was like, this is so weird. But then again, there's not a whole ton out about this case. So yeah. it's possible that that's old information and then it's changed since. Um, the documentary said she was found on the 15th. So that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Um. Yeah. See, so, some say her body was found a month later. What? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> That's what my <laughs> notes say. Um, so when she was found, she had been um, raped and strangled. Um, and again, it's a lot of evidence of sexual in like intercourse, but no, because you'll notice, and I'll kind of, I guess I'm kind of ruining it a tiny bit, but not really. Mm. They're all found near bodies of water. And you don't really need to be forensically sophisticated to know that water is going to wipe away evidence. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she was still wearing the blue tank top and white sweatshirt that she had been wearing the day she went missing, mm -hmm. but she was nude from the waist down. Um, and her hands were bound behind her back with parachute cord, and it was the same type of cord that had been used in Vicky's murder. And that's when investigators are like, huh, huh. that's fucking weird. Um, and... The bindings were similar. Oh. So I'm going to kind of show you because it's hard for me to, um, as I wrote, show Nicole. Um, <laughs> so Sorry. basically, this is behind their back, but okay. I have to do it kind of in front of me. Yeah. So they were tied horizontally this way around the wrists. Yeah. And then the cord was wrapped vertically between the wrists and pulled tight. Ooh. So. Ouch. Yeah. So it was like really limited mobility. Like, yeah. They, like, made their own handcuffs, basically. Basically, yeah. He wrapped it around their their wrists yeah. and then pulled it tight between their wrists. Yeah. So it was essentially handcuffs you can't get out of. Ooh. Um, I don't like to say that's smart, but that's smart. Yeah. It's... And I wanted to show you because they showed up, like they showed you in the documentary. Yeah, like it's kind of hard to explain. I yeah, like, yeah. I but now that I'm mean. showing you, I think. I mean, I don't want to show other people. Just go watch that weird documentary, guys. <laughs> um, and her body was 
also found in Katy Lagoon. Yeah. Same, different part of the lagoon, but same general yeah. area that Vicky's body was found. Um, and details about Vicky's murder had not been released to the oh, public. Okay. Um, so only the murderer, like himself, would have had that same pattern. It wasn't like the, a copycat was possible. And I'm sorry, this was how how long after the first? Six months. Six months. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a good time has gone by. Yeah. And the same, it's like. Happens again. Yeah. So they were like. Mm. That's too coincidental. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Something interesting, too, that I found only in the documentary. And it's because Luis Souza took these two guys, like, to all of the dump sites. Mm-hmm. I think except, like, one. They went there themselves, but he went with them to, like, four of the five. Yeah. Um, he mentioned, and it's not in any other article, that um, Regina's body had actually been tethered to the shore by an electrical extension cord that was tied to her foot and then to the rocks. So she wouldn't wash out to sea? Yeah. Well, they wanted her found. Yeah, that's what I am. They wanted her to be found. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Trying to get noticed. And something that they talked about in the documentary that was really interesting is like Hawaii is such like a tight knit community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Like all of the locals are really tight knit. And um, this happening was like not just happening to these women. It was like happening to the community. Yeah. So it didn't just feel like this murderer was like going like trying to hurt just these women. It was like he was trying to hurt the community. Mm hmm. So there's just something odd. It's about that. when you live in such a small place like that, from visiting, I learned that. Mm-hmm. It's everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. I remember because when I went, I stayed with my dad's cousin. Right. And she had lived there for a very long time at that point. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you go here, check this out. There's this waiter named blah, blah, blah. And this person named this. Person. Like they'd like send us place and be like, oh, yeah, did you see this person? And we were like, yes. <laughs> she was like that's my friend and we were like what oh okay <laughs> like you just kind of get to know everybody mm-hmm. because it's just it is it's a very small place people don't really realize how small it's so hawaii small is i mean i remember when tyler and i went to hawaii you could drive around the island in a day yeah i think oahu's a little it's oahu, oahu's a little bit longer it's you a little were, longer you were yeah. on maui which is like the third smallest mm-hmm. And then it's Oahu, and then it's the big island of Hawaii. Yeah. And Oahu, I think, is like a day, day and a half. Yeah. To get all the way around it. But it's, because we did, we went like halfway around it and came back. Yeah. <laughs> so Tyler like, we and I went like, up the fucking we were volcano. Like, we we want to see stuff. And we just like drove. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely beautiful. But oh, there really yeah. is, you hit a point where it's like just jungle and highway. Mm-hmm. There really is like the cities are what's there. What's People, exactly. And, and it's like, you have to know everybody. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, something interesting too that came out of her autopsy she had high high levels of acid phosphatase bless you in her system what's that which is an enzyme that is found in male ejaculate so there were no sperm detected but they knew that there was sexual activity and it was at this point that investigators and the medical examiner determined that it was very possible that this person had had a vasectomy. Whoever was committing these crimes had 
had a vasectomy or was like infertile or yeah. something um Interesting. because they found the enzyme but they're like very little sperm in vicky party yeah only a few and it's like okay yeah the the water might have washed some of that away but the fact that this girl still has like enzyme yeah it's just possible that <laughs> bless you thank you that he had a vasectomy <laughs> um and i had said that they were both um strangled uh mm-hmm. detectives knew this cause of death um because both vicky and regina um had petechial hemorrhaging on their faces eyes and eyelids Oof. and for those who do not know petechial hemorrhaging are little red pinpoint marks caused by the pressure that occurs as a result of strangulation mm-hmm. um you can look right you can look that up on google like <laughs> bursting blood vessels yeah bursting blood blood vessels basically um and then both vicky and regina had ligature furrows on their necks ligature furrows are caused by the pressure or tightness of the ligature around the neck um and these remarks remain even after um a rope or binding has been removed um and it can also be seen on arms and legs if they're bound so yeah it's kind of like basically like an indentation almost yeah basically that's That's what i thought i was like it looks like a bruise or some type of yeah you know mark just like like it doesn't i didn't want to say like a rope burn but like that's it's like it's what it seemed like to me such kind pressure of. has been put that there's just a mark there like from where it was that you like you run your fingers over it and you'll feel it because it's oh that's a, ugh, sorry something <laughs> interesting too um that i just want to point out here is that these first two crime scenes are only about a mile away from each other really mm-hmm very interestingly so the bus stop where she was and where they found the, the abduction car. sites are not close oh no, no okay there i mean they, i mean her, it's where the bodies were all of the dump sites gotcha, are, gotcha, gotcha. all of them except for one are very very close together and i think that there is an, a very good explanation for the one that isn't close mm-hmm. so okay I'll just go from there um so we're talking about how she gets found mm-hmm. on January 15th. Yeah. 16 days later, on January 30th, Denise Hughes goes missing. Okay, six months to 16 days is quite the jump. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh. Denise Hughes was 21. Um, she was hardworking and well-liked, according to those who knew her. Mm. Um, she had moved to Hawaii five months prior to her to her murder and she was originally from washington state um she worked as a secretary at a long distance phone company for three months while she was there um and her husband was in the navy stationed in pearl harbor okay um she commuted to work by bus Mm -hmm. uh and was abducted from her bus stop she was reported missing by her coworkers after she wasn't shown after she didn't show up at work the next day. God, I hope I have coworkers that care about me that much. Mm-hmm. She was like heading to work and like just never showed up. And when she didn't show up, they were like, "This is weird. What the fuck?" Yeah. Um, her husband. She and her husband had met while previously on vacation in Hawaii a few months prior. Oh my gosh. Um, and they got married in Seattle and then moved to Hawaii immediately basically i was like army marriage (laughs) um she had brown hair she was the tallest of the bunch at five eight 
Okay. Uh, 154 pounds. Again, described as outgoing. She was an avid hiker and skier. She was active in her church. Um, on January 30th, like I said, reported missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, her body is found two days later on February 1st of 1986. Um, and she's found by three kids fishing along a drainage canal at Ooh. the, oh my gosh, I'm, this is going to be bad. Right. Mapuana Buana Moana Lua Stream. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That actually sounded good. <laughs> That's where she was found. Can't tell if you said it right. Nope. Nope. It sounded good. Um, She was disco- discovered um, wrapped in a blue tarp floating in the stream when the kids um unwrapped the bundle they found her decomposing body oh that's traumatizing and it uh seemed as if her body had been rolled down the muddy embankment in this tarp it's an interesting variation yes yes um this is this is the murder where this becomes public and they start talking to the public about needing to be vigilant and stuff. Um, Once you hit three, that's yep. when you can classify it as a serial killer. She had been sexually assaulted. Mm. Her hands were bound behind her back with parachute cord. Same bindings. She was in moderate stages of decomposition. Already. Within a couple of days. Well, Hawaii between the heat and the fact yeah. that she was in water. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that made rape t- tests really hard to Ugh. find um and her friends and family actually gathered gathered seven thousand dollars as a reward for anyone who had information that would lead to a conviction Aww. no one ever provided information to take the reward um police are starting to notice these dump locations are nine to ten minutes apart mm-hmm. it's seeming like this is his comfort zone yeah and there's also the fact that the airport is really close by. Ooh. This is all happening around the airport. So there's some sort of aviation connection kind of going on here. It's very strange that this stuff is all happening very close to the airport. Yeah. Um, and on February 5th of 1986, um, the Honolulu Police Major Chester Hughes, no connection to Denise Hughes. Okay. Just putting that out there. <laughs> no connection. Um, he announces that they are going to start this Honolulu Strangler Task Force. It had 27 members in it. Um, they actually got a lot of help from the FBI and the Seattle Green River Task Force because Green River stuff, Green River Killer stuff happening at the same time. Oh. Same time. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. They were actively inv- investigating the Green River Killer at this time. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the task force runs into quite a few problems. First, um, and then this is from, I forget exactly what article it was. Let me see. I didn't write it down. What was I thinking? Um, I think it was, it's called Listverse. It was called 10 Terrifying Facts of the Honolulu Strangler. Okay. This um, was an art, like I'm taking this directly from their site, if I can find it again, because now I'm lost. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Oahu was the center of a telecommunications boom by 1986 okay. that attracted thousands of migrant workers. 
And Hawaii was home to a huge military population with Army, Navy, and Marine Corps installations all over all the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, and between 1985 and 1986, 10.5 million people visited Hawaii as tourists. So the killer could have come from any one of these populations. I just couldn't write that any better than they did. That's horrifying. I was like, that's terrifying. <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to rewrite this in my own words? I'm just going to say it was them. Thank you, Liz. Sometimes it's just better to quote. <laughs> Thank you, Liz Verse, for that very that helpful information. It's really scary. Um, the, the task force also had two lieutenants of equal authority basically running the show. So this caused a lot of confusion because one lieutenant would give one set of orders and the other one would give orders that were completely con- um, contradictory to the, the first guy's order. Who the fuck set up this task force? <laughs> Who was like, yes, let's put two men equally in charge. Good luck. Yeah. And <laughs> there's a huge amount of pressure coming from the community to solve this. Yeah. So the loud arguments between people about whose orders to follow and yada, 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 real difficult to work under. Oh, God. Um, This is when they all start noticing that these victims have similar features. Mm-hmm. They all had Caucasian features. They were generally young. Not very tall. I mean, 5'8's like kind of tall. But That's, like... I mean, I'm 5'7". Like average height it's and weight. Um, most of the bodies were discovered in the same vis- vicinity, in or near the water, and near the Honolulu Airport and Kehi Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the victims were naked. From the waist down, because he would remove their undergarments, like, every time. On top of the bindings, on top of the same type of, like, cause of death. Like, they're starting to be like, okay, this is serial. Bad. Yeah. This is bad. (laughs) Okay. So, so far we've had three victims. Mm -hmm. The fourth victim, her name is... Louise Medeiros. She was 25 at the time. Um, And this is the one murder that's kind of not fitting the pattern. Almost questionable. Mm -hmm. But it's not really. I mean, once you hear the evidence, it's not really. But it like fits in a way, but you're like, what happened? But at first glance, it's kind of like, what? So her body was found, like her dump site Mm -hmm. was 12 miles from all the other dump sites. Like. Interesting. Four of them are real close. Yeah. Not very far apart at all. And then hers is quite. Like it's. I mean it's not like super far away. You can drive like 12 miles. What in 15 minutes. I mean I know it, it depends takes, on the speed limit. The I guess it depends. But it's highway. Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii is a lot of highway. And so. I mean he could have gotten from A to B relatively quickly. Yeah. Um. So, Louise Medeiros was uh, described as hardworking, well-liked, independent. independent. She was kind of um, a lone wolf. According to Honolulu Homicide, she was unemployed and lived in Waipahahu. Ha-ha, I did it. Yes, you've been hitting these. I know. (laughs) Uh, She left home as a teenager and never finished high school. Mm -hmm. Um, She disappears on March 26th of 1986 so like january february march like things are escalating yes quite um she had been in (laughs) Kauai for the reading of her mother's will 
which is another island. It's mm-hmm. like the next island from Oahu or something like that. It's like a puddle jumper. Yeah. You you get in a you oh yeah, they have like little little tiny plane, like computer the, plane. Yeah, it, ta- yeah. it takes you like forty five minutes to mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. And people, there's actually literally people that like commute to the next island. Yeah, yeah. Work every day. It's yeah, crazy. So she <laughs> flew over to the next island because her mother had recently passed, and she was meeting with family to read her mother's will. Mm-hmm. And she took a um, red eye back on the twenty sixth. Because um, she wanted to get back to her three sons who were staying with her boyfriend at the time. Okay. Um, she told family that she would catch a bus back to her boyfriend's house in Waiapa. Waipahu. Waipahu. Ah, fuck. That was the first one. <laughs> That's the first one you stumbled over. And I, but I said it right the first time. You Damn it. You were doing so well. <laughs> um, so she was at an airport bus stop when she was abducted. Again. Bus. Bus airport public transportation yeah independent female she was five four okay about 90 pounds and was unfortunately whoa she was five four and 90 pounds i mean five four is kind of short i don't know i mean 90 pounds seems a little skinny to me that sounds but i'm i'm getting this information from Honolulu Homicide. Talk to them, not to me. Okay. <laughs> Dang, that's skinny. Um, and she was also three months pregnant at the time that she disappeared. So that seems like really tiny to me for a pregnant woman. She was 90 pounds, three months yeah, pregnant. Ooh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe that's not completely right, but who knows? Know, like, that's their information, not mine. I'm really bad at guesstimating. Oh, hold on. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. So Louise's body was found... Um below the Waipahu freeway overpass near the Waikalele stream. Um, and she was found by a road paving crew on April 2nd. So she was, she disappeared on March 26th. Her body is found on the 2nd. So that's a couple, that's a good chunk of days. Um, so it's basically about a week, I think. And when they found her, she was face down in the stream. She was found still wearing the red and white flowery blouse that she had boarded her plane with. She had been sexually assaulted, was partially nude. Her hands were bound behind her back with parachute cord, had the same bindings. Okay, so in the beginning you were like, I saw saw conflicting things about what she was tied up with. It had to be parachute cord. Had to be parachute cord. I'm sorry. Everybody else is parachute cord. It would only make sense. Well, this is what this is what the doc said, and yeah. that's what I wrote down. Yeah. So I I that's that. what that's what Luis Souza said, and he would know better than anybody. Um, she was in advanced stages of decomposition. It had been a week. Oh, it had out been a out in the sun, you know, yes. whatever. Um, again, made rape kit kits really hard to test. Um, so obviously this offender is like hella escalating at this point it went from like six months to like 16 days to like a month to like another month it's like yeah really quickly what are you looking at why are you making that face to me just i i pulled up i just kind of looked for like stereotypical body mass index with your height and your weight like what's healthy and what's not Mm -hmm. for somebody who's five four they say what it's considered quote healthy this is medical news today um is 110 to 140 pounds 
so she was way underweight she was very underweight especially for somebody who's pregnant that's kind of scary i mean that like i said was information (laughs) that i found somewhere i just like i had i was like that sounds really small for somebody who's five i know i just was like (laughs) i don't really know so they the police had already announced that they were making this task force that the Mm -hmm. murders were serial this is when they start releasing details about things that are happening in the case um they told people to be on alert Mm -hmm. and they released a sketch of the offender's vehicle based on witness statements that's on april 12th of 1886 the community is like starting to get really nervous at this point oh yeah like four murders they're like freaking the fuck out at that point if i was a woman i'd be like I'm handcuffing somebody to me. I'm not going anywhere no. alone. They had police women who resembled the victims out as decoys in like the airport slash Kehi Lagoon area, like looking for the sky. Like they were super on edge, like wow. really wanting to catch this dude. Oh, that's um, gotta be scary. Mm-hmm. And on April 29th of 1886, the final victim, Linda Pesci, goes missing and she was 37 years old so she's the oldest that's, of the bunch so that's a, an age jump 17 to 36 37 mm-hmm. is like the age range Young that he women. was looking at she was a sales rep for the macaw telepage in kakaako hawaii okay um she was 5'4 and 146 pounds there we go maybe i wrote something down wrong it's possible We'll see. We'll go look in the book later. Okay. <laughs> we'll see what he says. Um, there might be an addendum. We'll never know. <laughs> Linda was described as bold, strong, tough, streetwise. Ooh. Outspoken oh. and fearless. Um, she had become a little more soft, I guess, in her demeanor after the birth of her daughter. Her see, daughter was seven at the time of this. They say things and they're like, women be strong be independent and i'm like but then there's things like this that happen and i'm like i don't wanna i don't want to be independent somebody protect me i don't want to be strong and independent <laughs> um every i feel like every time i hear about cases like this it's like they were such strong and capable women they were straight smart and tough and it's just it's just like so disheartening i'm like i, I want to be like that but at the same time i'm really afraid of people <laughs> i know i know <laughs> Um, so Linda was originally from Marin County, California. Um, she left college in the 1970s and hitchhiked across the entire country on her own. Oh, she's super fearless. Mm, Yeah. Oh boy. Good Um, for her. She flew to Honolulu eventually and worked as a dancer in a nightclub for a while. Then she moved to Guam where she worked at a nightclub there. This girl's life kind of sounds fun. And moved back to Hawaii eventually. And then she's like, I want to do what I want. And then she became the sales rep. For Macaw page, <laughs> eventually. Good for her. <laughs> so um, on April 29th, like I said, Linda left work around 6.30 p.m. She had to work later than usual because she had had a meeting with her boss about a promotion. Oh, no. I know, so sad. And her roommate reported her missing the next day when she didn't come home. And she did not show up to work. And she had a daughter. Um, Yeah, it was really sad. Oh. Her... um car was discovered the afternoon of april 30th um parked near the nimitz highway viaduct which led to the h1 freeway and again this is near the airport 
<laughs> it's yeah. like it's like if, if something's not screaming like something's going on at the air bar, like nothing will. Um, it's at this time that police set up roadblocks and start questioning right. frequent commuter commuters of the area. Um, witnesses reported seeing a car parked in that same area with its emergency flashers on it at approximately 7 p.m. on the 29th. Okay. So she left work at 6.30, and by 7 o'clock, she has her emergency flashers on on the side of the road within 30 minutes. Okay. Um, Witnesses came forward saying that they saw a light-colored cargo van with a company insignia on on the back of it parked near Linda's car on the highway the night of her disappearance and also described a Caucasian man or mixed-race man um, who was of medium build in his 30s or 40s near her car at the time. Uh, <laughs> See, my brain my brain does this thing where I'm like, okay, well, that's hella suspicious. But then I go, well, what if it's, okay, she got a flat tire. You'd think that person would come forward and be like, holy crap, I helped this lady. No, it was definitely so, like, who it was. The fact that they get no no information from anybody, like, oh, yeah, that was me. I pulled over, like, just to make sure she was okay. Like, that was him. Hello, sus. That's hello, sus. <laughs> hello, <laughs> sus. Um, so, Luis Souza, I've been talking about him this whole time. He was one of the leaders of the task force. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps bringing up, because they talked to him in the book that Gary Diaz wrote. Um, mm-hmm. He bring, keeps bringing up the abduction sites. Um, they're all in this route and this and the dump sites too. They're all within this route between um, it's called Iwa Beach, okay, and um, the airport on Lagoon Drive. It's all like in this same general commute. Okay. Um, he also tells the documentary crew about this very interesting thing that happens in the case. Oh no! A man named after Linda Pesci's disappearance. A man named Howard Gay comes in voluntarily to the police department and says that a medium told him where to find Linda's body on Sand Island. What medium? They didn't give a name. I don't think that there was I'd be like, what medium? Bring me to her now. Uh, He took them to the island. And investigators say that Gay had them search like this huge wide area um hmm. four days after her disappearance linda's body was discovered by some people fishing for squid only 150 yards from where howard gay brought them 150 yards yeah so this is sand island it's the in the mouth of Honolulu Harbor, it has a really big state park on it. The island is pretty isolated, even though it's close to the city. Um, li- when Linda was found, her ha- hands were bound in the same way with similar cord. She also had high levels of acid phosphatase in her system. What's that? It's that male enzyme. Oh, it's the same. Okay, you said that earlier. Yeah, yep. in, in male ejaculate. <laughs> so... Let's talk a little bit about Howard Gay. So, Howard Gay was 43 at the time of all of this, okay. when they when he talks to the police. He worked for Flying Tigers Cargo Company near the airport. Near the airport. 
uh, he had a van that was cream in color. He knew Linda. She had an appointment with him marked in her work day book. For what? She was trying to sell him a pager. She worked for a telecommunications place. Gay's ex-wife and former gir- girlfriend and current girlfriend. What? You almost said girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> I just, it made me Girlfriend. Giggle. Sorry. <laughs> his ex-wife, his former girlfriends, and his current girlfriend were okay. interviewed and said that he was a smooth talker. And this is from Honolulu Homicide, a direct quote. Before you know it, he'd be talking to you about sex. Like, what? Oh. Yikes. Uh, um, no. <laughs> all of these women told investigators that uh, Howard Gay liked bondage and tied them up the same way as the victims had been tied up during sex. Uh, his girlfriend also indicated that Howard had left their residence during fights on the nights of the murders. None of this, however, can be verified. And he's not giving up shit. Um, this hurts my soul. The doc guys actually got a call in that documentary that I watched, Breaking Homicide, mm-hmm. from Howard Gay's ex-wife. Like, talk to her on the phone. You don't hear any of it. Oh, But they okay. talk about what she said, because she, she said she didn't want to be on camera and stuff like that. So, like, okay, I get that. Um, Howard Gay's ex-wife said that they had met in 1968, and they were college sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived in California for 10 years and had two children together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cargo company had relocated him to Hawaii in 1980. Okay. Um, but Howard goes by himself. His family doesn't come with him. They stay on the mainland. Interesting. It's very weird. Um, and then she said to them on the phone that at one point she flew out to surprise him with the kids and he got upset with her and made them stay in a hotel and sent them back to California two days later. Yeah, so what? something be suspicious like, um, going on. Sus man, we're getting divorced. Bye. Um, <laughs> so in June of 1986, this is like after the murders have stopped. Because just so you know, after Linda Pesci's murder, mm-hmm. nothing happens. It stops. No other victims are found. Nothing. Did they check, like, oh, my God, no, but you can't. So this, <laughs> so her, she, her body is found in April of 1986. And in June of 1986, uh, Howard Gay travels to California for his son's graduation um, from he, high school. Does he come back to Hawaii? Yeah, he comes back. Um, <laughs> his son is killed three days later in a traffic accident. <gasps> um, he was changing a tire on the side of the road and got hit. Oh, that's and awful. this is when Howard Gay becomes a born again Christian. So is this maybe a reason possibly why the murder stopped, stopped in 1986? Gay's wife also tells these doc guys that he had a vasectomy. Dun, 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 it all connects. 
Okay. Are they still married? Uh, he's dead now. Oh. Um, which well. is why I don't think this case will ever be solved. Because he's dead. Um, yeah. but, so this is all kind of information that comes out later. They've, I found out from this doc that he had indeed had a vasectomy, but it was all clear in the, like, other sources that these girlfriends and his ex-wife did come forward, talked about the bondage, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Um, investigators were watching him like a hawk. Um, and they even, they, and they were like, so when they got the tip about the van, they were like already kind of watching him because like he'd come forward and said that there was this medium yeah. and like they were like, this is suspicious. And then, so they, when they found out about the van from all of these roadblocks, uh, they were already watching him. And officers were tailing him when they saw him scratch the insignia off of his work vehicle. Wait. <laughs> Which was a cream-colored cargo van. Cops watched him remove the logo yep. from his van. Yep. This is when they bring him in for an interview. Oh, boy. He came in voluntarily. Just BTW. Mm-hmm. He took a polygraph failed it of course um during the interrogation louis souza said that he had like all of these like body posture things that i don't know that like um that would like it kind of made it feel like he wasn't telling the truth or he was his body language yeah the way was just awkward he said that he was crossing his arms across his chest he was crossing his legs he wouldn't look you in the eyes like he was his kind of mumbly. His behavior like, was suspicious. That's weird. Okay. Um, so they arrested him on May 9th, but he was released without charges 10 hours later after receiving a call from a lawyer that had been um, retained by his girlfriend. Um, this is when police go to the prosecutors. They say, here's all the evidence. It's a lot of circumstantial evidence. A lot. It's yeah. all circumstantial. Like they could have, like he could have just bought that vehicle and been s- scraping off. The, they yeah. could have been putting on a new, like, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. But so I'd be like, give me the opportunity to prove it is or is not him. Well, prosecutors didn't think they had enough evidence to press charges. Um, and to make things worse, the police at some point um, had went around prosecutors to ob- um, obtain a search warrant for Gay's property. Um, Bad idea. They went directly to a judge, which is not common practice. Bad idea. Um, And so usually you go to the the prosecuting attorney or um, to the district attorney or whoever to discuss a search warrant with them um, before talking to a judge. Yep. So they were a little salty. I'd be salty too. About that. I'm surprised they didn't make them throw out the evidence. So, and you remember that composite sketch that I said that they had been working on? Yes. There were five or six completely different sketches. So, were they just, like, drawing up whatever they wanted, and then when they were like, oh, wait, Howard Gay drives this, draw this? No, no, I don't think it was, like, coerced in any way. No, okay. But they were, like, so... Just, like, What's unsure. The, um, Diaz said in Honolulu Homicide that he thinks that, like, 
they were just such under pressure that they also kind of pressured witnesses that didn't really see anything. And so they were just giving like this kind of generic you know i think it was maybe this you know like and so that's why they had completely different like the van was different and then they get this big thing about the van and they're like can you really be sure because you you just said it was this car yeah like so there's like all of this evidence that's just like weird and um so after his arrest Mm -hmm. and subsequent release no other cases that matched the M.O. of the Honolulu Strangler ever came up again. They've, like, been looking with FBI through other states and stuff like that to check. Nothing. Even Lisa Al. And it, yeah, and Lisa Al is, like, very possibly connected to this. Very possibly. It could have been a, a first victim. It could have been anything. That's crazy. Um, because he did move to Hawaii in 1982. Yeah. And wasn't living. Or 1980, sorry. And Lisa Al's murder happened in 1982. And all of this stuff happens in 1985, 86. hmm um, So after his arrest, Gay's arrest, a group of 15 community businesses and organizations offered up a $25,000 reward for information that would lead to an arrest or conviction and no one ever collected that reward wow two months after howard's arrest a woman came forward unnamed she wanted to be unidentified okay um so a woman came forward who said she saw a man with linda pesci the night she disappeared (gasps) and was afraid to come forward um because she was afraid that the suspect might recognize her they brought howard back in for a lineup and she picked him out of the lineup (gasps) hook line sinker are you serious Mm -hmm. but prosecutors still didn't think they had enough evidence to prosecute did it say like okay when did it say like where she saw them together Mm -mm. just that she saw them um as of 2002 howard gay was living back on the mainland um, and he passed away in 2005. Wow, 2005. There was an article that I read that said that when he died, they were really hopeful that they could get DNA because they did have some sperm. I was just going to say not they had a lot, something, but they had something. But here's the thing: is apparently, if you die not in the care of a physician. Like, if you're not at the hospital or, like, in hospice or something, they'll do an autopsy on you because they don't know what you died of. Okay. But if you die in, like, a hospice or hospital situation, they won't always do that. So there was an article in 2005 saying that they were waiting to see if they could get DNA. But as as far as I know, they were not able to. Oh. Because I think he died in, like, hospice or hospital care. And not at home, like, alone or something. That's infuriating. I know. So, in the documentary, this woman named Naomi came forward as a possible witness. Okay. She was a manager at the La Marina Sailing Club on on Sand Island in 1986. Sand Island is the same place that Linda Pesci's body was found. Okay. Um, She said that 
1985, 86, mm-hmm. the same guy would always come in around lunchtime and he would sit in these tables. She said he looked harmless, but he gave her like the absolute creeps. Um, See, ma'am. And she used public transportation to get home every night. So she was walking to the bus stop every day after her shift. And he somehow noticed this. He began asking this man, whoever he was, began asking to give her rides home and slowly got more and more aggressive about this. And um, I'm now carrying a knife and pepper spray. <laughs> I know. <laughs> One night, um, he was like super aggressive about it. And she ended up getting a ride from another customer. I was like, question mark, question mark. Like, you don't trust this one customer, but you trust the other. But like, okay, trust your gut. Yeah. Um, he became like this other dude who she didn't get the ride home from became like enraged and slammed his drink down on the table and like left. And she like never saw him again after that. Good. Um, she said a few days later, the police had announced on TV that they had a suspect on a suspect in custody. They, they never released his name until this documentary came out. Not yeah. a fucking joke. Wow. Yeah. They were not releasing his name, but he's dead now. So they can say whatever they want. Yeah. Um, they said basically what the car looked like. And she knew that the guy that had been kind of harassing her at work also drove a light colored cargo van. And like I said, she never saw him again. Um, the dock crew actually, actually showed her two photos of Howard Gay, an older photo, like when he was an older guy Uh and when he was young and she was like, yeah, kind of looks like him and then brought the other photo out and showed her that. And they look completely different in the photo. Like one, he's clean cut. He's his, his, his hairline's receding. He's got sunglasses on. And then the other one, he has his glasses on. He's got like a big fucking mustache and like a hat on. He's like, so he's like young in one and then older in the other. And they were like, so which, which one looks like him? And she was like, both of them do. And they were like, both of these photos are of the same dude. Oh, they're both of Howard Gay. And she positively identified him. She was like, they look like him. Totally. Um, Another article I read is from the True Crime Database said that he was described as clean cut, clean cut, clean cut, clean cut, clean cut and polite by staff at the La Mariana Sailing Club where he often frequented. So it was him for sure that she saw there. And this gave the doc crew kind of an interesting thought about how he possibly got his victims into the cars because Vicky Purdy is the only one that yeah. has defensive wounds. Yes. The other ones do not. Yeah. So how did this guy get these ladies into his car without any fighting? He, they think the doc and I was like, what? Oh my God. That makes no sense. So much sense when they said this. Oh, bring it on. That he was having casual, repetitive encounters with these women. He wasn't a stranger. He had introduced himself before. He, like, made himself known. And he was a familiar face. He was grooming victims. So that one time, like, just say, Regina Sakamoto. She never needed a ride, never needed a ride. No, 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 no. And then one day, she needs a fucking ride. And he happens to drive by. 
and he's not unfamiliar anymore. That stresses me out. I know. It's crazy. Don't get into cars with people you don't know. Guys, even if you have met this person, they're a frequent visitor at your work. They're somebody that I, I don't even freaking know. It just if you do not know them personally, do not don't get, get in the car. car with them. Don't get in. Don't do it. Unless it's like an Uber. <laughs> uh, yeah but make sure you ask for their name first because i lived in south carolina when all that crazy stuff happened where the girl got murdered by the uber driver yes and well he wasn't an uber driver she just thought he was her uber oh my god he was so fucking stupid he drove like they had they had fucking police <laughs> in the area where he had last been seen been seen and he drove through the area when they had police blocks and they found him Moron. and he had her blood in the back of the, of the car and Moron. he had a ton of fucking cleaning supplies well, like it's like you're an idiot there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason i love lyft especially because lyft they give their drivers like the little thing that sits on our dashboard yeah uber doesn't always have that and it, well and every time they go to pick up a new fare it changes color randomly oh so that it can be like it's green it'll pop up and it will tell you like your lift is green this is your driver this is their plate this is their car so like when they pull up there's something outside other than their license plate that you can look at and be like okay well because you're supposed to open the door now and say hi are you this person and they're supposed to say yes are you this person i've always said that i've always done that too i'm too paranoid about people I'll, I'll just say my own name. I'll just be like, hi, are you the Uber for like for this person? And if they say yes, I'll be like, OK, so you're this person. Yeah. And they'll say yes. I'm like, OK. I'll ask, and then I'll check the license. I'll plate. ask what my own name is. I'll be like, OK, you're blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, OK, what's who, my name? Who are you picking up? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so like I said, the task force in this case um worked a lot with the FBI and they actually kind of released a profile, which I'm excited to read to you. So I'm going to do that right now. Okay. So the FBI said that the murderer was most likely an opportunist who picked up vulnerable victims rather than stalking one type of person. Yeah. He had a victim type that he liked, I think, but he probably would have deviated from it had it been a vulnerable person in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. Um, he probably committed the crimes in an area he knows well. Mm. Oh, and we didn't talk about this. I think the Louise Medeiros vic- like part was so far away because he probably picked her up on the way out of the airport rather than coming kind of in. I noticed that a lot of the victims other than like Louise um, or Linda Pesci because she was found on Sand Island, which is like pretty secluded. But like the other victims were found all in the location of like around the airport yeah so he was probably dumping them on his way to work or on his way back from work or something like that whereas i think maybe he possibly picked up louise medeiros on his way out of work and then murdered her and then maybe found out they were looking for him or like they had a description of the car because that's kind of when this happens and he dumped her closer to home because that location is closer to his residence and the other ones are closer to his work you know what makes me think so okay this man has passed away mm-hmm. where is his van i don't know because if that man which most likely was not if he sent his family away the way he seems to have mm-hmm. it was most likely sold off you think the cops would be like snatch that right up he probably will because they couldn't seize it 
because he hadn't been arrested. But then I, I wonder if he sold it maybe when he moved off the mainland and it's private property. They can't take it. Or if it went back to the company, they don't have to give it unless they have a warrant. And if they can't get a if warrant because the, vehicle, yeah. if it's a company vehicle, he probably had to give it back to the company. I just think like if it was a personal vehicle and say like he listed it for sale or something mm -hmm. that they'd go in and they just snatch it right up. Even just to test the DNA in it. Yeah, I don't know what happened with the car. Because um, I think, I mean, what you say makes sense. If he was on his way into work, his freaking van could have been where he took them and held them. Right, where right. Where he raped them, it could be right, exactly. his murder grounds, basically. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking, is that the van was, like, where all the crimes took place. Yeah. That's what it seems like. It doesn't seem like there was some secondary location. I would have location. been following that van like crazy. I know. Um... It was speculated that he lived or worked in the area between Waiapau and Sand Island mm -hmm. around this general vicinity. Um, he probably did not have a criminal record, which Howard Gay did not. Mm -hmm. um, and he was most likely having relationship problems with a wife or girlfriend. Ooh. And according to his girlfriend, they were having relationship problems on the nights in question. And he left, yep. according to her, which cannot be verified. Um the dock crew also talked to a woman named Dr. Mary Ellen O'Toole. She is a part of the FBI Behavioral Science Unit. Oh. Um, she has consulted in over 100 serial killer cases. Um, and her profile is that um, the offender most likely practiced before these five victims that are verified. And this is where the Lisa Alf case comes into play yeah um this happened on january 1st of 1982 if you haven't listened to this episode go listen to it it's important and i'm not going to explain everything <laughs> <again>. <laughs> um but she was 19 years old she fits the profile yeah. um and it's very possible that he she could have been mm -hmm. a tryout were there any other cases that were listed as potential? There was another, but I can't remember her name for the life of me right now. Okay. Um, if I remember it, I'll mention it at some other point. Maybe I'll <laughs> list it or something. Okay. Um, there was, but they've never found that girl's body, though. Oh. She's just, like, missing. Okay. So I'm not quite sure if it fits say, the profile. That seems to be where the profile is. Was she of the, at least, like, I mean, age 17 to 35. Yeah. The age dark hair, Caucasian skin. She was um, native. Okay. As was Lisa. Ow. As was Lisa. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different, but the age, the young woman type of vibe, it's there. It's enough to make you suspicious. Yeah. But without and her body, you can't tell. Yeah. But we did find Lisa Ow's body, but her her cause of death was inconclusive yeah. because she was in such a state of decomposition. Honestly, if it was me, I would probably say the woman who wasn't found is not related. Yeah. Just. I mean, I don't know the case. Well, I didn't look it up. All I knew was like the Lisa Al thing. So he seems or I'm sorry, this person, whoever this is, seems like the person who wants their victims to be found. Like you talked about the. Um, which I can't remember which victim, um, the one that Regina had the, Sakamoto with the electrical cord around her ankle that had her tethered to the rocks. He didn't want her to wash her out wash to, away, uh, wash out to the ocean, wanted her to be found. And I think if really wanted her to be found, she would have been found. Right, right. 
Um, she also mentioned in this profile that's like found in a body of water. You don't need a yeah. lot of forensic knowledge to know. Gets rid of evidence. To, to put a body in water. It gets rid of evidence. Um, but there was also a lot of info, like I said, about the Green River Killer coming out of, at the time. Yeah. So there was, she said that it was possible that this person was trying to copy. She said she doesn't think it's the same person at all. She doesn't think it's the, what's his name, Gary Ridgway, I think. She does not think that Gary Ridgway, Ridgway committed these crimes. Like, okay. there's no, like, he lived in Seattle when this thing was going on. Like, he wasn't in Hawaii, as far as I'm aware. I mean, maybe he was. I haven't well, done I mean, that much research. But it was you possible. You said it took place near the airport. Were there any records of Gary Ridgway flying into Hawaii? I didn't look that up. That's, she seemed to not think so. That would be a curious so. detail. I feel like they would have found that, though. There I feel were like they able to look when that they up. figured out who the Golden State Killer was. There was some yeah. looking in to see if he had maybe possibly done it. It has been proven that he did not. Mm-hmm. I didn't find any information saying that Gary Ridgway at all was connected to this. I think I it like was just that possibly the person yeah. saw... I feel like if he was, Anything. they would have said it. Exactly. They would have been like, yeah, we've got flight records of him entering Honolulu or I'm sorry, wherever. Yeah. There yeah. would have like on if, this date, this yeah. date, this date around the time. That these yeah. Women did, they like, didn't say anything about they that. They had to come out and said that. So I and don't then there was a, an article, at least with the Lisa Ow stuff, too, about the Golden State Killer possibly yeah. being involved. And he was not. He's mm-hmm. been cleared of all of that. So okay. um, anyway. Um, I don't know. Was it Henry Lee Lucas? He could. Um, she also talked about uh the victim selection and about how there was no defensive wounds the offender was most likely charming they didn't feel threatened which goes back to the whole repeated casual encounters Mm -hmm. um they got into the vehicle willingly it was possible that he blitzed them, but you would have had other injuries had he blitzed them. Yeah. Um, that's what she said. Um, she said it's very unlikely that he just stopped after the five murders. Um, it's possible relocation, death. He's possibly disabled. She said that it was um, pretty unlikely that he was incarcerated because they would have had his DNA in the system. Yeah. So she said it was probably relocation, death, dis- possibly disabled or some sort of really bad trauma and his son did die and he became a born again christian so that's what my thought was on that um there's also this theory well possibly this person was impersonating a cop but now that we know what the vehicle is it doesn't really seem that way um what i think with vicky purdy was that he hit her car Mm -hmm. and in the exchange of insurance insurance, slipped her away regina picked up from the bus stop and now all of these women were strangled right all of them okay all of them had um strangulation strangulation i don't know if they all had the furrows but i'm assuming they did because after a ligature is there it says it's pretty like probable that you'll find one yeah whether or not you see petechial hemorrhaging you'll probably always see the bondage yeah um but yeah guys that's the unsolved case of uh, the Honolulu Strangler. This case kind of fucked me up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it fucked me up. I was just like, who is this person? I think it's Howard Gay. I, I think it's him. I think there's too much circumstantial ev- evidence to not investigate, ha- not have investigated that further. I was going to say, I can't believe that they didn't give them at least a warrant to search his car. They saw this, ty- this type of van at one of the scenes, like, 
even just it didn't say anything about like his, his car but but well, they said his property they did investigate his property but they didn't find anything i thought somebody reported seeing a van pulled over yeah i'm not sure if they got a search warrant for the van it's possible that that's, they did that's what i'm thinking but still didn't find anything i would have in gone it. i would have gone just for the van i would have been like i don't care about his house i want to search his van mm-hmm. because i think that, that would be where the evidence is if mm-hmm. he's really traveling around from his airport taking all these women i think the van is where it's happened i think that's where you're gonna find 99.9 percent of the evidence well it's crazy because like okay so Linda Pesci is likely abducted from the side of the road. Either she did have car troubles, he created them, something like that. Mm-hmm. Vicky Purdy, same thing. Car troubles, he created them, possibly something like that. And then the other three victims are all abducted from bus stops. That can't be a fucking coincidence. People without a car, your your public transportation, you're running late. You're like, shit, I need to get to work. Oh, but this friendly face. That I've met a couple times. I've come across a few times in the local bar, in the local shop. It just seems a little sus to me. It does. And I it, I hate that they weren't allowed to look further into him before he passed away. They said that they had FBI like looking at him after he left and everything. But it was like... And he didn't do anything. He, he couldn't... Didn't, he didn't become a, sus- a suspect until the last victim. He inserted himself. He certainly did. And that's suspicious in itself. Yep. Like, but then he why went are you doing and his that? son died and he became the born again Christian, which is possibly how he reformed himself. So it was like they caught on a little too late. So it was like it's almost frustrating. But we like, don't know enough about Howard Gay's life in general, I yeah. feel like, to know because he didn't technically commit a crime. Technically. Yeah. I mean, no matter how much this circumstantial evidence points to him, he didn't, in the eyes of the law, commit a crime. And so, like, there's not a lot of information about his early life, his relationships. I feel like if we knew some of that information, it might shed light on, like, other aspects of the psychology of what possibly could have driven him to do this if it indeed was him. But they could never do any form of investigating on him because they weren't allowed to. They did what they could. And you never go against the prosecutor. Like, what are you fucking thinking? Yeah. Like, that's what I was saying. I was like, I, they got to a point where they literally couldn't do anymore without help from the lawyers. Yep. And they blew it. They blew it. Big like, time. They blew it big time. And, like, did I think that this pl- this case was completely mishandled? No. They Definitely went. Not. They went around the prosecutor's. For a reason. Yeah. They went around them because they didn't think that they would do and they thought the judge might do it. And like, I understand why they went that route. I don't think it was necessarily the wrong route. There was actually a prosecutor and I wrote his name down and then I deleted it because I didn't find any like, I didn't have any notes from him that like, I was like, I'm going to say this. You know what I mean? It was all stuff that was, but he said in the doc Mm -hmm. that he 100% believes that howard gay did it wow like he says i but they said you like regret not pressing charges and he was like no because we did not have enough evidence to prove his guilt with beyond a reasonable doubt and that is the problem he's like that is why we didn't go forward with any more because there wasn't enough evidence from everything that they had done all of their interrogation and whatever 
And he's like, and I'm not going to, it's not, it's like East Lisa Al, right? Yeah. They had that year of the inquests or whatever from the grand jury. And it made people afraid once he, once they determined that he was not going to be prosecuted or whatever, yeah. it made people afraid to continue to try and prosecute the case. So they're not even going to prosecute anything unless yeah. they fucking know it's him. They've been burned. Yeah. And so, like, I get both sides of it. Like, they wanted to, 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 they really believe in their heart of hearts, it's him, the investigators. And so they went around and they shouldn't have done it that way, but they had good intentions. Yeah. And the, and the prosecutors in the same way had good intentions. Like, I want to prosecute this guy where we know beyond a reasonable doubt that he is the dude. Like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do this on circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Like, I get it. And I'm I, honestly, I'm kind of glad that they didn't press charges because if they had tried to press charges, they brought him to trial. They would have had all the circumstantial evidence. It would have some sort the, of technicality would have happened or some exactly, bullshit. It would have gotten them nowhere. They would have been like, OK, everything here is nothing, basically. Like, OK, it's circumstantial. But where's the where's your actual proof? Give me DNA. Give me this. Give me this. And we've seen. Heidi Allen, and what can happen when you bring somebody to trial when you really don't have enough evidence to do anything? They can go to jail for the rest of their life, even when there isn't. So, like, I applaud either, them for not doing that. They could have either prosecuted the wrong man or he could have been acquitted. And then if later on they found evidence, they couldn't have tried they, him again can't because him of again. double jeopardy. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's a hard line to walk. It sucks. That they weren't able to get more on him, but I'm kind of glad that they didn't pursue charges because I think it wouldn't have gone very well. But I think if they got, if they had been able to obtain DNA from his autopsy, they would have proved that it had been him. It seems too weird. He knew Linda Pesci. She had an appointment with him in her day book. Like, they saw his car. They saw a man that looked like him. That woman who worked at the restaurant said that that dude that she saw looked like him. Like, and he was apparently supposed to have frequented there. Like. He inserted himself right into the investigation. A medium? Like, my ass would have been like, okay, okay, you said a medium told you this. What medium? First of all, what fucking medium? I need to go talk to them. Yeah. Because I don't believe anything. You could come up. I could walk up to you and be like, hey, Macy, a medium told me you're going to die tomorrow. And you. What? I, you'd what? be like, OK, what fucking medium? So I can go talk to Can them. I go? Yeah, I want to go talk like, to this person. And you're just a normal human being. A police officer should be like, who the fuck told you this? What? That's crazy. I could not find the name of the medium. Could not find it. Well, and it's crazy because it, oops, I, <laughs> it's not on the box of my chapstick. It's fine. And Where's it, the chapstick? I thought about that. In a really I love long that time. video. Sorry. But it's almost like I don't know. I feel like they they missed something there. I mm. feel like somebody wasn't thinking in that moment. They were just like, oh, we have to go search this area. But the second they found her body 150 yards from where the supposed medium told him it was going to be, I've been like, all right, I need to talk to this medium. And it's very weird. This person should be involved in this case if they're that Mm -hmm. in touch. Exactly. And it's very weird that, like, he brings them to the area and he has them do an extensive search Mm -hmm. of this area that's only 150 yards. Like, they didn't go any farther than that? It's like, it's just enough to be like, oh, it's close, but it's not. 
Yeah, yeah. Where it's like weird. He wanted them in the area. He wanted to think of, he wanted them to think of the area because it was almost like he feared that they weren't going to get close enough. They weren't going to find her. her. So he brought them to the vicinity and was like, yeah, search here. Do you know what was almost so weird? He was off. Something so weird that happened is when these guys from the dock interviewed this Naomi lady. Mm-hmm. She didn't want her last name used because she wanted some anonymity. Yeah. They, she showed her face, but okay, whatever. How much anonymity can you have when you show your face? But. <laughs> Seriously, though. She didn't want her last name being used. They went out behind the restaurant, which is on Sand Island. Uh-huh. You see the fucking Kehi Lagoon. It's like Do you really? right there. Is it really? And he was like pointing out. He was like, okay, so if I'm standing here, Regina Sakamoto's body is found over there by, by those buildings. Mm-hmm. Vicky Purdy's body is found over there by those buildings. Yeah. And he's like, and Linda Pesci's body is found about a mile or so that way. Yeah. Like he's like, you're standing by the La Marina saloon or whatever it is and all around you are dump sites that's crazy like i mean other than luis medeiros who is like far yeah but it's weird that like there's this like weird central location the airport is a big connection i'm not sure if it was a military person i don't think so i don't think so i think it's just i mean like you mentioned it's a big military area yeah so i mean that's it's, obvious to miss like sus- like to be suspicious of somebody like I that mean, if you go back you were when you were mentioning each of the victims it was like the the stepfather was in the military the husband was in the military there was some connection to military but i don't think it was enough to be like yeah this person was in the military yeah the person that's committing these murders yeah. is in the military i mean it's i po- feel it's like possible yes yes but it, but the fact that this man literally inserted himself into an investigation and like led them to 150 yards within the body and like all very weird. Yeah. Like that's weird. not a coincidence. I'm sorry. Not that's all. a not. And like he didn't he failed a polygraph test. He's looking guilty as hell. Like I'm I'm confused by the fact that he like had a wife and kids. And they came to visit, and he just, like, sent them away. I think because he was doing shit he shouldn't have been doing, cheating on her, probably. Well, then it's like, like he had a girlfriend. But it's like, you said his wife was in the documentary? His his ex-wife, yeah, she talked to them on the phone. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just weird. The whole thing, and they they tied him, like, they got tied up the same way. They didn't say it was the same binding. But they said they got tied up the same Same way. way. And I feel like that's a very distinctive way. If you guys like, okay. I would have never thought, I mean, okay. Okay, so guys, think about this. We're just, I'm just going to describe kind of how this is. Put your wrists out in front of you and put your fr- your wrists together. So what he would do was the Honolulu Strangler. He would wrap parachute cord around your wrists horizontally so around your actual wrist to hold your arms to hold to pull your two wrists touching each other and then what he would do was take the rope and put it vertically between your two wrists yeah and wrap it around and pull it tight and then tie a knot like from there somewhere somehow probably between those two things and just but like 
that's very specific that is very specific that's something that if to be honest i wouldn't think of no like i mean and it's not even about that it's just like a very specific way to tie somebody up yeah so if you're tying somebody up the same way during sex and like you're hearing that these women are being tied up the same fucking way i would fucking come forward and his girlfriends did good for them bad bitches like seriously (laughs) came forward and were like he used to tie me up me up like that like that's weird that is very weird because that's only something that the murderer would know especially to do and these women have been sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. and he and by somebody with a probable vasectomy and he had a vasectomy it's not just like he just (sighs) coincidentally happened to tie them up the same way he used to you know kinkily tie up his woman there's a lot of circumstantial evidence assaulted these women too so it was like there's a lot of circumstantial yeah, evidence. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence that is a little bit like, okay, that's just too weird. Past the line of, okay, that's too coincidental. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there's there's one thing between like a witness who comes forward that says there's a medium or whatever and they leave them, but there's like nothing in the background that connects, nothing, you know, like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But this guy has the girlfriends, he has the vasectomy. He has the car. He works at the airport. Yep. He lives near the same beach that that Louise Medeiros' body he is had found. An appointment with one of the victims. He had an appointment. That seems too weird. It's very strange to me that this did not get investigated. And further. I mean, I guess from the eyes of the law, I can see it. Yeah. It's like okay. I mean, I could make a weird connection to this case too. That is a lot of weird connections. But there's no hard concrete evidence. Proof. You did not find a hair. You did not find DNA. You and did not find blood. It, you, yeah. yeah, it does suck because from the eyes of the law, it's not enough, even mm-hmm. though it seems like enough. It's yeah. Not. Well, guys, that's that. <laughs> now, would. you know, the completely fucked up history of Lisa Al and the one and only serial killer on uh, on hawaii ever i was gonna say i would never i'm like i would say i totally know i I totally think he knows something i think howard either really knows something or was involved in a way i think there's some odd coincidence that he is not mentioning the medium thing is too weird there's just too many things there variables yeah that just hit me wrong I think I won't sit here. I don't want to say like he was 100% the guy, but I hey, don't speak ill of the dead. I guess. But I will say that he is highly sus. He's hella sus. He's hella sus. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> AKA don't go to the police saying a medium told you to do, told you to take them somewhere and then take them 150 yards away. That's probably right. hella sus. Nicole's just say, shaking her head. She's like, what the fuck did you just tell me? I really just can't process, like, the fact that the cops weren't, like, who's this medium? That would have been my first fucking question. The moment he said that, I was like, It's possible that it's medium? just, but here's the thing. There's a lot of details that Honolulu Police Department have not disclosed. That's true. I always forget that. I, that they have not disclosed a sometimes. lot of this information. So it's possible that they do have the name of the medium and that they just have not released it. That's fair. That is fair. Because it's still technically an open and ongoing case. Yeah, it is. Technically. Oh, that's scary. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Well, Nicole, where can <laughs> they find us? Uh, uh, 
<sighs> if you want to torture us with some more unsolvable cases, guys. Oh, guys, this month has been torture. This month is terrible. Have torture. you found that you are like having a really hard time researching because there's no closure to anything at yes. all and it's really depressing? And well, yes, <laughs> I've told like I've mentioned before, I'm a front to back person. I'm like, here's the day they were born. And here's the day they died. And here's everything in between. Yep. I get an unsolved case and I'm like, where do I go? Oh my God. <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> That's like the Brian Schaefer case where I was just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> He's just gone. He's it's just weird. gone. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, guys, we're everywhere. Everywhere so you listen to your podcast. Please hit that like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Every button that button. you can find on all these websites. Are you ready? Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. <laughs> Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. At Buzzkillers Pod. On YouTube, hop in that search bar and type Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Then we should pop right up in your search and hit that subscribe button. We get Sub- subscribe. Yeah, we get enough subscribers, we get our custom URL, and then we don't have to tell you to hit that search bar anymore, or you can just hit that URL, and it'll be so much easier. <laughs> um, yes. Like we mentioned before, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash buzzkillerspodcast. Patreon.com slash buzzkillerspodcast. Two tiers on Patreon. <laughs> I tried to do that really fast because you kept talking. You sounded like a demon, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> Buzzkillers podcast. Uh, we have two tiers that you can subscribe to. We understand times are tough. It is not too expensive. We promise it is only $2 a month for the highest tier. Or if you'd yes. like to go even lower, it is only $1 a month. Yes. You guys will get access to all kinds of exclusive episodes, videos, um, photos, just behind the scenes content. Yeah, we're planning on, oh guys, we're planning on starting and I hate this idea, but I think you guys will love it. Maybe video recording this stuff and you'd get the <laughs> link so you can see all of our edits and our our weirdness. Because we talk a lot before this and we, we talk a lot after and we do edit some stuff out. We have like- funny things we say. And so you could we we've been talking about having the unedited videos of us recording up there (laughs) although i really hate the fact that you see my face but (laughs) (laughs) but i think you guys would enjoy it so yeah go subscribe to the patreon if you subscribe to the two dollar a month you get a card handwritten from us with a free sticker a buzzkillers sticker and an autograph and an autograph (laughs) you also get added to our instagram close friends list and we've got some really cool things coming up soon that we're going to announce um eventually to everybody on instagram but these things will probably have special uh patreon only stories and posts and things like that so go on there and do that if you feel so inclined we would appreciate it we would appreciate you endlessly <laughs> all money goes to improving this podcast for your earballs <laughs> and possibly your eyeballs and possibly your eyeballs yeah <laughs> maybe some other senses senses we'll determine later on um <laughs> maybe we'll have a grumpy somalia <laughs> i really want one i want one too <laughs> um okay so that's all our socials but if you're interested in listening to us, mm-hmm. a little bit of everywhere, we are 
We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Pandora, iHeartRadio, and our host platform, Podbean. Podbean. We love Podbean. And yeah. we also have a website. We do have a website. Buzzkillerspodcast.com. Yes, buzzkillerspodcast.com. Hop over there. Um, there is a little bit about me and Macy. You Whee! can see some doofy little photos of us. <laughs> we're kind of cute and doofy. And then <laughs> you can hop over to the page where it's got all of our wine on it. I don't know why I've got a southern accent. All yeah, I don't know either, y'all. <laughs> Turned into a southern belle. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a page with all of our wine on it. You can go and check out every wine that we drink for every episode. There's a little blurb about it. Um, I'm contemplating maybe adding the mouthfeel ratings to it now that we have started <laughs> that <laughs> so you can see where we stand on each one um yes. but you can see all of that you can check out obviously all of our episodes our instagram feeds up there all of our links to yes. literally everything are on our website so if you don't remember anything just hit our, our website and you will be linked to literally everything we own yours and most importantly, you can contact us. Hit <gasps> that contact button, and there is a big form you can fill out. You put your name, your address, and you can shoot us a message, whether it is a recommended topic for the month, whether it is a case you want us to cover, whether it is you telling us that we probably pronounced something wrong, which I apologize for. Please be nice. We're, gen we're, we're just human. I don't know how to say everything. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to say all the words. Um, you can just shoot us some love. You can send us some spooky photos. You can send us literally anything, and we'll probably be like, this is the greatest day of our lives. So <laughs> yes. write to us, and if you don't want to use the website, you can use our direct email, which is buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. You can hit us up straight that way, and... Think that's yeah. it. I think that's it. Okay, guys. Uh, only one more episode in this very long, excruciating month. <laughs> and we have some especially stu fun stuff, guys. July is gonna be hella fun. People don't realize it's our birth month. Well, we talked about it last episode. It's our birth month. It's it birth is month. when this uh, idea of a podcast, the brainchild, became a thing, yes. and um, it was birthed. It was birthed in my brain, <laughs> in her brain, <laughs> in the brain. Macy and I had met like twice and we were like, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I moved in May and you moved in June. We had known each other a month. A month. <laughs> a month of collective probably hanging, hanging out like three or four times a so week. So we had a solid four weeks of being like, I don't know, this girl's kind of weird, but I kind of really like her. Let's start a podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> I knew I really liked you from the minute I met you. She knew she liked me before we met each other. <laughs> I was like, uh, Ryan, um, she doesn't know it yet, but Nicole's going to be my best friend. <laughs> she was not wrong. I was, <laughs> I was very right. So I'm glad but about yeah, that. We have some special stuff coming up for the month of July, and we were so excited. More special guests. So hang yes. that little note. And, we'll, and my mother said, Mama V, she's funny. Mama she was great. like, you did not allude very much to who you were having on and like that you were having a special guest at all. And she was like, you need to do that more. So, so here's your teaser. There's going to be a special guest next month. <laughs> you bitches better be ready. Be ready, bitches, because it's going to be so much fun. It's All right. Be fantastic. Well, we love you guys so much. And thank you so much for listening. Obviously, this podcast would not be possible without all of you. Mm. Um, 
And don't be a buzzkill. Be a buzzard. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> Still makes no sense. I love <laughs> okay, we love you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.